0: Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you are joining us for another hope-filled message. and our prayer is that you are encouraged by this powerful Sunday sermon. So we're going to have a conversation today about some of the the qualities that the women in our lives exemplify, and they're things that, you know, Jesus modelled and that uh, he celebrated in others, and I'm joined by two incredible women, uh, Pastor Melissa DeYoung, who is our senior pastor, will be familiar to many of you, uh, but you may more likely see her singing on stage. But what you don't know about Pastor Melissa is that she is an absolute creative genius. A lot of what we see here today is because of um, who she is. But Pastor Melissa, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family and how long you've been at life? Hello, how are we? Are we good? Love
1: it. It's just a conversation between us and you. Hopefully we learn something together. I have been in New Zealand for um, like 14 years, I want to say 14 years. I moved when I was 18. And yes, I did follow a boy. Um, it was not Jesus, it was a boy, if I'm being honest. <laughs> and I come from an incredible family, uh, many immigrants, um, not staying too long in one place, um, but privileged to come from a really healthy Christian home. That was really an example to me, and lots of incredible women in my life, full of grit. Um, and truth, and a lot of feistiness, um, and also stubbornness, so take that.
0: We're going to learn a lot from you today. (laughs) Uh, But it's an early start for you, Pastor Melissa, so no breakfast in bed? Nope. I normally am singing, so my kids get up
1: with me, um, and we leave the house about quarter to six in the morning to get here, and so my kids come in their pajamas, waddling with their up and go. They are incredible, but no, I got um, bath bombs for Mother's Day, which really means that I get to shut the door and have a bath, so I'm really excited to be like, the mess is out there, Luke, you're on cleanup duty, get the kids into bed, I'll be in here reading a book and enjoying Mother's Day presents.
0: Sounds like a great day. And we've also got Rebecca Soe joining us, who is an absolute legend. Rebecca has, um, she's been part of life for about 14 years, I think, as well, but is part of our community team, but has worked for many years in uh, the community area and has just got such a heart for people. I'm excited to hear from you. But tell us a little bit about your family, Rebecca. Yes, morena, everyone. Haringa fire
2: i... Which is just happy Mother's Day today to everybody in Māori. <laughs> so um, most of you who know me, I'm married to the, um, I call him my Samoan warrior, who's, uh, <laughs> Ned Sohe. And um, I'm, so I'm the wife of Ned and the mother of Josh to most people, um, <laughs> which is, we've got um, three children all together. We've got eight mukapuna, eight grandchildren. So good.
0: So the grandchildren give you... A Mother's Day presents as well. They give me lots of hugs,
2: lots of smiles, and I sometimes get you know sort of these little pieces of paper with things all glued together from children's church, yes. which which were actually supposed to go to Abby. Yeah. <laughs>
0: We love that. Well, before we get into our conversation today, I just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge that Mother's Day can be really challenging for some people for a variety of different reasons. Maybe you're here today and you've lost your mum or you're a mum who has lost a child or uh, perhaps you haven't been able to become a mum yet. Uh, Maybe there's distance or dysfunction in the relationship. And I know that those things can be really hard on a day like today, But our prayer is that you would feel the the hope and the comfort that Jesus brings, and you'd feel surrounded by love of others and uh, the love of your church whānau today. So we really pray this is an awesome day for you as well. But take a bow. The world and the culture that we live in gives applause to those who do big things, right? Those who have fame or talent or money. And there's nothing wrong with those things, of course, and we want to celebrate with others who who do great things. But God looks at success from a completely different perspective. In fact, Jesus completely turned the concept of success upside down. In fact, when he was choosing his disciples, we know that the Bible says that he chose ordinary and unskilled men, which gives us all hope. But God wasn't looking for um, men who who were amazing or who had great qualifications. He was looking for people who were willing to follow him, who had a heart to be obedient and to do what God wanted them to do. And the truth is that, you know, God is more interested in what's going on in our heart and our character and what motivates us There's a great story that many of you will be familiar with uh, in the Old Testament. And it's when uh, the prophet Samuel gets sent by God to a man named Jesse who has eight sons. And God says, one of your sons is gonna be the king. And so Samuel goes through the line of the eight sons and he looks at each of them thinking, this one must be it. And God says, no, it's not. Until he got to David who was the youngest and probably the least likely in Samuel's eyes. But we pick up the story in First Samuel 16, verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I think we can all get caught in the trap sometimes of of focusing on the outward appearance, trying to please others to gain their approval or try to be something so that we can feel like we're more valued or more loved. I know when I was younger, I desperately wanted to be an actress. And, uh, you know, there was passion there and arguably there might have been some gift. But I think ultimately I was just searching for significance and value. And it wasn't until I completely surrendered that side of my life to the Lord that uh, I realized that He loved me unconditionally, didn't matter what I did, His love was there, and then I was able to really discover the plans that uh, God had for me. And so today, the first thing I want to chat to um, our lovely ladies about is unconditional love, and it's, you know, both being able to receive that from God and then uh, to Give that to others, and I I know for you, Pastor Missy, when you came, like you said, you came into this country uh, on your own as a teenager. Really, Uh, have you ever felt like um, there were expectations on you, or that you put expectations on yourself uh, to be something or to do something? Or have you ever felt like you're not good enough? And how did you move past that? Oh, definitely. Who hasn't, right? I think we've all, I hope I'm not the only one in the room.
1: Um, Definitely, I've always had to, we've all had to wrestle with the feeling of feeling inadequate, and so what do we do when we feel inadequate? We try and overcompensate, you know, Um, and my mother-in-law, who's here today, she actually gave me a book when I first moved here by Joyce Meyer called um, Approval Addiction, and I actually realized I actually never gave it back to you. It's still sitting in my my book drawer, Um, and it has been written through and read many times when I realized when I moved to New Zealand, I... Put a facade on of like, I'm good, everything's okay, I'm doing great. And internally I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just trying to keep the courage to stay here Um, in New Zealand when I had first moved. That was the truth of where I was at. And so I started to become or try and make myself loved or liked by everyone. Because I just I wanted to belong. Who doesn't want to feel like they belong? And through that process, um, I realized I was losing more and more of myself that God had made me specifically the traits and the qualities that he'd given me, I was diminishing them because I was so worried about other people liking me or wanting to be friends or would you accept me? Um, Do I fit in here? Do I have a purpose to play? And so by diminishing all of those things, I just was left with this thing of who am I? I don't know who I am. And when Pastor Marie gave me the book, I started to read that and realized, oh, I was becoming everything for everyone else, but I was already enough for my God. I was already enough for him. I didn't need to be anyone else but who he's called me to be. And there's incredible people in your world who make you better, but there's also things that we try and thin it out so we can be liked by everybody. And I was in that unhealthy stage of thinning out who I was rather than being called to who he had created me to be. Amazing.
2: What about for you, Rebecca? Oh, so as a young Christian, I remember being a young mum and, you know, For me, uh, growing up in an environment where not everybody was educated, I watched my family work very, very hard and quite often they didn't advance how they should be because they just didn't have the qualifications. So I actually thought that getting lots of degrees and lots of letters at the end of my name was the only key to being successful. I say only because I really do think if you've worked hard to get it, you deserve it. <laughs> um, and so I remember being in a meeting one day. It was a turning point for me with a group of beautiful Christian women, and they were introducing themselves, and everybody was talking about what they were going to bring to the table. By the time it got around to me, I honestly felt like just sliding <laughs> under the table because I, um, I didn't have any qualifications. They had more degrees than the knob on my stove. <laughs> yeah, so... And it was... <laughs> and so... <laughs> And I remember sitting up straight, and I said to them, Hi, my name's Rebecca, and what qualifies me to be here is I am the daughter of the Most High, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. And I know that sounds pretty out there, eh? But that's what came out of my mouth. <laughs> and um, I have to say, I have gone on to educate myself, but it hasn't been because I need validation. It's been because I just love learning.
0: Yeah. So amazing. Yeah, let's put our hands together for Bex. I love that, you know, not only do we need to obviously receive and accept God's unconditional love for us, but when we do that, he gives us like an overflow of love to then be able to give to others. I know for um, me, my mother-in-law called me a couple of weeks ago and she put some money in my bank account and she said, I want you to go and buy yourself some just because flowers. And uh, there was no reason it wasn't my birthday, I hadn't done anything special, but she just felt like just because she wanted to bless me. And I thought, you know, that's so countercultural, the world we live in. It's all about conditions. It's like, you give me this and I'll give you that. It's you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours kind of thing. Uh, so let's talk about what unconditional love and giving unconditional love looks like. I know for you, Bex, you, uh, you've you given your life to groups and serving others and, and that kind of thing. I mean, tell us about unconditional love in your world. For in my world, and
2: I've heard it from this stage and in this church many, many times, it's about no strings attached. So you know, you give and you don't expect anything in return. I think that's why I work in the community, um, <laughs> <I love it. laughs> because that's what it's all about. I, um, I do know that um, I was discipled by some amazing woman. Um, they, you know, come alongside me and they've just done um, the most amazing things for me, And I planted myself in so that I could make sure that um, I learned from them what it was. They gave of their time. They gave of their energy. I think they gave me their cars, but don't crash the cars, you know. Um, But I just encourage you, um, you can learn unconditional love from the people around you here in church. Get along, be discipled, be planted. There's a scripture that I love. It says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in his courts get into groups and be part of learning and getting modeled of what it is to have unconditional love. Beautiful, I love that. One thing I love about unconditional
1: love is you can either be the receiver or you can be the giver. We get to play both. That's who our God is, and and he, he allows us to receive unconditional love. Like you said, no strings attached. I've been the recipient of many times when I first moved here and I didn't, have my physical mum here just to be able to go over and have a cup of tea. Um, she was many miles away in Canada. And I remember being able to go to my neighbor's house, Julie. We were neighbors from church and other people's houses and just be able to be, be myself, be completely who I was. And that was enough for them. And they just accepted me in that moment there's been other times now, after being the recipient, realizing, oh, I get the part to play as well. I can go and drop flowers off. I can go and say, I was just thinking of you. I was praying for you. And, you know, you've been on my heart. God's put you on my heart. I hope you're well. Let's catch up. I get to now be that person that who you are is enough. I love you just as you are. Come as you are. And let's be together.
0: So good, and and you know, you might be here today and thinking, I just, I don't have that, I don't have people in my world who I can receive and give unconditional love to, and I just want to encourage you. I I had a period of time that I felt like I had no real friends, lots of people around me, but... No one that I could really, you know, open up to, and so I prayed into it, and then I was intentional about, you know, making new friends and introducing myself. It's amazing who God can bring into your world. I know you did that as well, Pastor Missy, being new to the country, it was important to you, but uh, uh, being, uh, having people in your world requires us, obviously, to be vulnerable and to open our lives up to one another. And it brings me to the second thing that I want to talk about today, and that's that's humility. And humility, to me, is uh, the characteristic that fuels servanthood. It's what causes us to want to put others' needs before ourselves. And obviously, Jesus set the ultimate example for us when he laid down his life. And I love what it says here in Philippians 2, verse 3 to 7. And just, just listen to these words. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the nature of a servant. It's pretty challenging for each and every one of us. And, you know, I'd love to chat about uh, people in our lives who have demonstrated humility and who have served us in love. I know, Rebecca, for you, your mum was an incredible woman who um, taught you so much. Why don't you tell us a little bit about her? Yeah, so mum, you know, we had a large family.
2: Um, My mum, she actually taught me what it was to be in humility to share and um, so there was always room at our table for another mouth, you know, even though we didn't want to share, because who does when you when there's hardly anything in the first place? But we learnt to share. And so I think about now, I, I did my best as a mother to try and teach my own children how to share. And then you have the challenge of, I've got grandchildren. They're third generation. Um, everyone, most people know that the antidote to entitlement is actually, you know... <laughs> when you can learn to share and be grateful. And so um, I do have to give a little shout out to my daughter-in-law, Abby. She's doing a great job of our grandchildren, our mokapuna, um, our little three-year-old granddaughter. Whenever you give her something, she will always ask, where's Eli's nanny? She never takes for herself. She always thinks about her brother. And so that's really special. Just the simple thing of sharing has been really impactful for us.
1: Oh, good. My grandma, who I'm going to call Oma, uh, she was incredible. She modeled forgiveness, and she modeled faithfulness to me, which I might have taken for granted in those moments, but now being on this side and, and the age I am, I'm so thankful that she was so consistent. She was an immigrant. She, um, her husband became an alcoholic uh, for a season of time and was kicked out of church. They lived in a rough neighborhood, um, she didn't know English, she learnt. Um, she was treated unfairly at times. Um, and all through this, I remember multiple times waking up at my batch, my cabin, coming out and hearing her voice. She used to speak low German and she'd be reading the Bible aloud. Um, and I would come and I'd cuddle in with her and she'd say, look, Missy, look what it says. It says, his mercies are renewed every day said things like, you are beautifully and wonderfully made, for you are made for such a time as this. And I remember her speaking these words over for me, over me. It wasn't just when I was there at the cabin or the batch. It was every day, whether we were staying over at her house, I knew where I would find my Oma at six in the morning. She would be reading her Bible, spending time with the Lord, forgiving her past, forgiving things that maybe she didn't have control over, but coming again and saying, his mercy is renewed every day.
0: It's beautiful. I I love the fact that you know your Alma had been through so much, yet she was able to model to you what it is to to love God and to show uh, her grandchildren what it is to love God. And you know, for many of us, we may feel like you don't know, you know. You don't know my story and what I've been through. I have very little to then be able to give to anybody else. But the simple act of reading your Bible in front of your children or your grandchildren or the people in your world and encouraging them can make a really big difference in people's lives. I know I was raised by a single mum, and uh, it was tough at times, and I just love the way that she um, modelled consistency. And I had grandchildren as well—sorry, uh, grandparents—I don't have grandchildren Uh <laughs> hope not. <laughs> but I had um, grandparents who really stepped in and, and served our family at that time that take me to school and help out when I was sick and have me on holidays. And I really appreciated what my grandparents did for me. And I actually think we should take a moment uh, to celebrate every single mum or single parent in this house because you do an amazing job. So good. We love you. Yeah. And all those grandparents who help as well. It's incredible. But it is so important to have people in your world to uh, do life with. And the the last thing that I want to touch on uh, today is obedience. Now, this is a word that we don't always... Like to talk about, maybe it's got some negative connotations around it, but I think that's probably because as humans, we uh, don't like being told what to do. We like feeling like we're in control, we're not limited. Uh, But you know, as a parent, we ask for obedience from our children because we love them and we want what's best for them. And uh, we can see the bigger picture. Sometimes they don't see it all. And it's exactly the same with God. And in John 14, verse 15, Jesus said, If you love me, then keep my commands. And I think, you know, most of us desire to and want to do the right thing, but it's not always easy. And obedience starts with listening and and hearing the voice of God. And um, Bex, I know that you've recently had a big decision to make around your your career and your job. Uh, Tell us about how you heard God's voice in making that decision. Okay, so
2: when you come to the big decisions, there's some simple things that I um, I know for me. I I always go back to that scripture, Matthew 7, 7, and it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. So I went to God and I asked, and then I, I seeked him for clarity. And sometimes, you know, clarity may not come. To be honest, clarity didn't fully come, but I just sought peace. And so, if you um, if you know that you've got the peace of God on you, and you've done all the other things, but one of the really key important things that uh, I wanted to say today was that I, because I was planted, I've got beautiful people around me. Um, best that when you're making those big decisions, that you actually have people of God around you that can give you wise yeah. counsel. Great. You know, I've got fr- girlfriends I can ring up and they'll just listen to me rant and rave. They, you know, and that's what I need at the time. Then I've got other friends that I ring and they'll just put me straight, um, <laughs> give me the smack down and tell me to go and hear from God. <laughs> yeah, so ask, seek, and sometimes if clarity doesn't come, just seek peace. It's beautiful.
1: I think, not as eloquent as you, but I just have to shut up. <laughs> Sometimes I just think I talk a lot and God's like, if you would just be quiet, you would hear my voice, right? Um, so often I do sing and often I'm in the car, um, I spend a lot of time in the car, amen to all the moms who spend a lot of time in their cars and I have to find myself being like, okay, I'm not going to have any music on or if I do, I'm not going to sing and I'm just going to like take the time to hear from God in that moment. And often God speaks to me through the funniest things, like just random thoughts, like, hmm, did I? That's random how I got there. Like the other day I was in the middle of a workout and um, I was like, the Pilates instructor had been like, it's my birthday in three weeks or whatever. And in that moment I was like, I need to buy her a gift. And I was like, I have never really talked to her. Why would I think like that? But I knew in that moment that was God, you know, saying to me, you know, that's your generosity will speak more in that moment. So I did just that. I went, got my gift, and I said, I have a gift for you for your birthday. And she's like, really? And she texted me the other week. Um, she was actually away on the day, and I left the gift there for her. She said, you know, just the fact that you would get me a gift and leave it there even though I wasn't there, or it could have so easily been missed. Um, I just want to say how much I appreciate, and the words you wrote in the card have given me new life to continue on, and I'm looking forward to building a friendship with you. I mean, come on, God's so good, right? Like, random thought to say that, and I get to be the link, hopefully the chain, and I'm so excited for what God's going to do in the future. How, how privileged are we that he wants to partner with us?
0: So true. And I think another thing that God gives us in our decision-making is peace. So when we feel that real sense of peace and the decision that we're making, God's on it, and then often the the clarity comes after we make the step of faith. I remember um, coming to Bible college or making the decision to go to Bible college a long time ago now, And knowing that um, it was going to be a big decision for me because I'd have to give up my job and I wasn't sure how I was going to provide for, um, you know, pay my bills and all of that kind of thing. And uh, making the decision, though, this peace came on me and I'm like, okay, I know this is right, even though I don't know the how. And then after that, a family in the church came up to me and said, hey, we just feel like God's told us that you're to come and live with us uh, and our family for free, no board, no food, nothing. We're going to to um, do all that for you for, you know, the next season of time. I just thought, God, you're so faithful. You know, you make the decision. We be obedient to what he's asking us to do, and then he'll take care of the rest. And that's faith, right? That's that's what we're called to do. But I know for myself, I haven't always got it right. There's been so many times when I've felt that prompting, <laughs> like you're talking about Pastor Missy, and I haven't done what he's asked me to do. Uh, but we all make mistakes, right? And so let's let's just talk about what do you do when you make mistakes? How do you reconcile that? Welcome to the club, definitely.
1: Um, we make mistakes all the time. What I love is that God expects us to make mistakes. <laughs> how good and how gracious he's not. Not someone where we have to get it all right to be accepted by him, um, but he loves us just as we are. Even knowing we're going to make mistakes, or we're going to miss things. Um, we're like, shoot, I should have talked to the super, the grocery um, attendant, or you know, my neighbor, and now they're moving, and I don't have time, or I should have invited them, and Christmas is now over, or it's full. I can't get tickets now. You know, we all do that. Um, you are not the only one. But I love that God just says, like, enough. Again, you're enough. Um, I love you just as you are and let's go again. Let's try again. Don't get bogged down by what you failed at and let's remember that he always has more for us. He is right here with us, standing beside us, walking with our future and saying, I've got more for you, so let's go get more. He's a big enough God to bring that neighbor through the grocery store one more time for you to meet randomly or to run paths or have them reach out to you. God is big enough to carry that. And if we let him be big enough, he would just explode our world to say, hey, here I am. And we just have to say, use me, God. Come and use me.
2: Well, I've been around the longest, so I think I've made the most mistakes in this panel. <laughs> um, but you know what? It's really simple for me. It's owning it, saying sorry, and repenting. You know, um, really important, I... Um, I really stand on the promise that from 1 John 1, 9, that when you confess your sins, he is true and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yeah, I feel so privileged to serve a God because if I had to look back, he's given me a new start. His mercies are new, like what yeah. Pastor Melissa said every morning. Yeah. But you know, we have to be able to say own our stuff, say sorry, and then just walk in that and forgive ourselves you know, but one thing for mothers, you know, when the kids keep coming back and saying sorry 10 times, you actually need to make it clear that sorry means you're not going to do it again, (laughs) so um, I had to learn that too.
0: (laughs) So good, so important for each of us to hear that, I think, that, you know, it doesn't matter what mistakes we have made, if we own it and we uh, make every effort to move forward, and we don't do it in our own strength, right, we do it, by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if we come back to King David, as we talked about at the beginning, you know, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. I'd love for God to be able to say that about me. And, you know, if you know David's story, he made so many mistakes, some really big mistakes. He committed adultery, and then he arranged the murder of the woman's husband. So, you know, he's, he's right up there when it comes to making mistakes. Yet he surrendered his life and his sin and his wrongdoings to God. And he was able to live a lifelong intimate relationship with God until the day that he died. And every single one of us get the opportunity to do that, to say, God, I'm not perfect, but here I am, and I just want you to be a part of my life and help me to receive your unconditional love and to give it to others. Help me to serve others with humility and put others before myself. And then help me to be obedient to what you're calling me to do and to Help me to surrender my life and all my desires to you. Not to seek after, you know, human recognition or applause from this world, but to focus on what God wants for us, on our heart and on our character. And these are the things that are worthy of applause, are worthy of us celebrating. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I trust you're encouraged by this incredibly powerful word. You know, you've always got a place to call home here at LIFE, and I want to encourage you to join us in one of our campuses in Auckland, or Tauranga, or why don't you join us at Church Online. To find out more about LIFE and to stay connected with us, why don't you visit lifenz.org.